0: You can wish for it, or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't
1: working, you should be working. Come on,
0: let's work. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This episode is brought to you by the Work Squad, which is the support group you need when you are dedicated to your dream. Our private accountability community is the perfect place for you to connect, exchange ideas, and get the keys you need to crush your goals. To find out how you can join the squad, log on to WorkPraySlay.com. Today, we have a true boss in the building. Not just a boss, but the chief bosspreneur, Ms. Becky A. Davis herself, is in the building to confess her success secrets. She is a speaker, a speaker who is also a national spokesperson for Coca-Cola and a Forbes Council coach. We're going to put some respect on her name, okay? (laughs) Are you ready to confess, Becky? I am ready. (laughs) I always like to start the show by asking what you started your career doing because I always find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our profession. So what did you actually start your career out doing?
1: I, I have worked in leadership and in management for uh, 25 years, and so and I loved it. I worked in retail management. I managed um, stores for uh, major retailers, and I did that for for 20 years. And it's really where I identified my gifting was working in corporate America and working with teams. I managed a team, started as an assistant manager in retail management. And when I left the company to start my own company, I was a regional vice president managing over 200 locations and 12 district uh, managers. And I, my sweet spot was the interaction and engagement I had with developing leaders, uh, which is what I realized was how I, how my business uh how i started to grow is because i started to grow leaders and build uh create leaders around me so that they could continue to uh help the organization to grow but that's how i started my career was in in management retail management
0: so i love that you say that you loved your career because so often we hear you know the horror stories of the people who are sick to their stomach on the way to work and they're stressed out mm-hmm all of those things and and that is their motivation to get out or to start something new or to try something different but you don't have that story i didn't have that story i wasn't trying to run away you know from my from my job i just knew that there was something else out there for me what would you say inspire your transition if it wasn't necessarily that you were unhappy with your
1: current position so there it was it was twofold. I I loved the company. I I wore my cheerleader outfit to work every day because I literally grew up in that company. My uh I started in my twenties and so I literally grew up in the in the company and it, within the company we had purchased, acquired another organization and they had corporate stores and franchise stores. I'd never worked with franchise stores and then I was responsible for franchise stores, which are entrepreneurs managing their, their uh, own company under the, the uh, company's umbrella. And it was so, so many of the entrepreneurs, um, the franchise locations struggled uh, compared to some of the corporate locations. And when I started to go in and kind of assess what was going on in some of those businesses, uh, I had to close six. Um, When they gave me my set of stores, there were six slated to close. And three of those stores really had no business closing because I was like, I'm still not getting why you're closing. So, I was asking the the owner, "Are you just tired of it? You want to give it up?" Or I was like, "No, am you know, the money, not making uh money." And I was like, "But there are some things that right now you could fix and change your income just based on what I've seen in my in my uh, time with them." And they were like, "So what are you saying?" So when I started to work with them and we kept those stores open, got them to break even, and then start profiting. It just made me think how many how many other small businesses are closing because they don't know what they don't know, um, they haven't sought the help that they needed to you know break through the the issues that they're going through, and that was a part of the the driving force because I had been doing that uh, for our corporate stores, and now seeing some of these small business stores start to do them, but a big part of the caveat I was I was saying I was going to leave I was going to leave, and three years later I was still saying. I was going to leave it actually took a a near-death experience of almost losing my life for me to stop playing and really step out on faith um to start this this entrepreneur journey and so the fact of you know being rushed to the emergency room and, and they're saying we don't know if she's gonna make it um, because i had been hemorrhaging for six days i had surgery six days later i was rushed back in and it was in rushing back in that uh, I found out that the first surgery, they didn't close up a major organ, so I was internally bleeding. And the fact that I made it through that, survived through that, just really... Got me to that. Okay, no more playing because tomorrow's not promised. You've been talking about leaving and starting for you know three years now, but I was afraid to leave because I was afraid to leave the check. The first and the fifteenth was my favorite days, and I knew what my income was and I knew um, uh, when I was going to get it. I didn't know that when I started my business, but I just had to believe that my faith was going to open up the doors that I needed to open, and that was my that was my push over the ledge and, and, and flap as hard as you can till you find your wings to really be able to launch and, and start my business. But it was that desire to help small businesses. And then that situation that said, you don't have forever. You don't know how long you're going to be here. So live your dream today. And I went back to work after being home recovering. I went back to work for three months. I quit, gave my notice and I, I took the leap.
0: I love it. I always feel like, you know, when I'm, when I make an intention, whether I'm really afraid to make the move or not, once I say what I want, God is always like, okay, you, you spoke mm-hmm. it, now I'm going to make you back on it. You know, it's like, I'm going to keep pushing exactly. you until you do what I called you to do, no matter how hard you try to run, no matter how hard you yes. try to hide it, like that calling is going to keep
1: calling you. Exactly. And, you know, because I was a cheerleader at my company and because I'd had so many good and bad bosses come and I, I outlived them them all at the, the last year of me being with the company, I got a new boss who was crazy and I had never had that that experience to that extent. And, you know, he was calling for me to do some unethical things. And I was like, I'm not. And I was calling him out on that. And then we got into HR issues because I was like, nope, he asked, he's wanted me to do this. This is unethical. And so I know, Becky, you that's not a not a good place to be when you you're calling your boss out. It was the right thing to do, but I knew it was gonna create this environment um for me. And I believe that God God took my my excitement and love for my job and within two months made it the worst place for me to be in. Because he knew, I can, I'll figure out how to work through this. I done had bosses come and go, and I've had all kinds of things that I've dealt with, and I've been able to sustain. She'll figure out how to stay. I don't want her to stay. So let me put, let me make it. And when it was because it was an integrity issue, I, I was not going to uh, because then now that's that's me dealing with my, my faith and my belief to do something you want me to do that's not right and it's an integrity issue. It was like that was the caveat that said it's time for you to go and start what you've been talking about do and, and do your thing. So he, he he made the fire so hot that I had to get out. You had no choice.
0: No choice. <laughs> I, I it. It, it, it always seems like it, it, you come to that crossroad. Like it's not always necessarily a near death experience, but it could be that boss that just like makes it,
1: yeah,
0: makes your life just hell. It could be the you know, the family relationship or the marriage or you know, the something that God,
1: yeah,
0: life that is that challenge that's really going to force you to change what you're doing and follow that calling. So I love that you were able to first of all, you know, overcome, um, you know, the the circumstances, but then learn how to really thrive. Um, One thing that I'm always talking about to people who want to, you know, start a side hustle or um, start a business, but don't necessarily, you know, know what to do or want to leave their job is the importance of transferable skills. And it sounds to me like what you've been able to do is take the years of experience, the the, the huge toolkit that you accumulated in your years um, in corporate America, and now you're able to not only apply those lessons to your business, but also to working with other businesses as well, basically teaching these entrepreneurs mm-hmm. how things are done um, in corporate America. What would you say are some of the skills that, um, some of the skills that you found to be most valuable that you have taken from corporate and added to your own business?
1: You know, one of the things, and I, I didn't realize this until I was working with small businesses, um, that it was a skill set that a lot of small businesses didn't have. Because I managed uh, uh, territories and, and uh, stores and locations. You know, every uh, fourth quarter, you know, we would have to go into the home office to put our strategy together for the upcoming year. The company would give us our our uh, budget, our sales goals and, and profit goals, and we would have to then put a strategy together, how you're going to hit those goals compared to what you did last year. So I would have to present my territory four times a year, every quarter. And so because of that experience and background, when I started my business, I did the same thing. I, I put together. Okay, here's the here's the goal, the the dollar amount. Here's the profit goal. Here's the sales goal, and then back in, you know, backed into what I needed to do, how I was going to do it, how I was going to hit it. And so when I started, I didn't hit the revenue goal that I had aspired to do, but I hit more than what m- most people say they hit in their first year. So my first year in business, I made I think fifty five thousand in revenue, and I was like, God, that's way below from, from where I started from. And so the second year strategizing and being able to say, okay, here's what didn't work, here's what did work, here's how we're gonna get the numbers this year. And then moving those numbers into the next year for the second year to be able to hit six figure in business. What I found is that most businesses, small businesses that start, do not start with that year game plan. Um, because my my background says, when you look at your your numbers for the quarter and for the month if you've not hit them you don't just let those numbers go you move them to the next quarter because you got to hit them for the year so moving the numbers over to say okay now i got to make up the twelve thousand that i didn't make last month so i need to re kind of um strategize what we're going to do in this quarter and so doing that was a natural skill to me coming out of corporate america and I realized that wasn't the norm for a lot of small businesses, but I do believe that that was a part of the, the growth of my company in the beginning because I started with the, uh, the skill set from corporate, putting the strategy together and how to back into those uh, numbers and results to get where you're going. You know, a lot of people have goals. Okay, I want to do $50,000. But there's no goal in how I'm going to get to the 50. All the things that I need to do, the tactics, uh, the um thing all of those things I realized so many um from clients that I've worked with did not have, those were the missing pieces. So that was a huge piece to me coming into starting my own business. And I think that was uh uh, uh that helped me to caveat and kind of push my business forward faster, even though it felt like it was slow to me. Um, I realized from other businesses and that wasn't at a slow pace. That was at a uh, a faster pace, but that played a big part in uh, in me and I still do the same thing. It's, it's October now. So October, November, De- December is total strategy for the next year. Cause January one, we go, we don't start to plan. We go, we, we already know what we're going to do. We know what the year is going to look like and we go. And so for me, that's been a huge part. It's, I teach it now to the clients that I work with. Is you got to build out what you needed to look like, and then you got to back into whatever the number is. Now let's back into how you get there. That think, was a bit. That was one of the things.
0: I know you mentioned that this—that's not even something that you realized you were doing because it was just kind of how you operate. Since this is what you were. Mm-hmm. Going, but I think it's so important that we start looking at those things that just come naturally to us. That other people will literally pay money for us to show them how to, yes, do those things yes, just, you know, naturally been doing for years. People naturally come to you for help with this, or you know, this one thing that you live, eat, breathe.
1: Somebody's willing to pay you, you know, for that
0: information, exactly. Because
1: that was my uh-huh, aha that okay, when I started working with clients, it wasn't a part of my offering. That wasn't a part of what I offered because in my mind, you know, when you're so close to doing something that you think everybody else knows how to do it too. So it wasn't something I even offered. It was in working with clients where I realized there's no plan in place. There's no strategy in place. There's no uh, uh, map to get where you're going, which means you'll never get there because you don't even know the the road that you are going to take to get there that was a huge aha so it became the biggest part of what i offer is the the blueprint and the strategy for you to get to the end result that you want
0: so in addition to you providing coaching services and strategy, um, you also do a whole lot of speaking. I know the last time I saw you was at the um, Essence event in DC. I saw you at I believe MogulCon a couple years ago. I'm always seeing mm-hmm. you on someone's stage. And I was doing my research and I saw that you said that your work as a speaker was inspired by um, an experience at work. And I think that it's so funny how sometimes just, you know, uh, every day something leads to you discovering something about yourself that you can literally use for life. What would you say to someone who is maybe having trouble discovering their purpose or just have not had that aha moment that they feel like they need to take that leap of faith or start working
1: on their blueprint? You know, what I really believe is that Um, we, the, the signs are there. We're just not looking for them. When we start to get intentional and look for them, then we, we then can begin to see them because I have been told for a long time that Oh, you're really good at speaking. You're really great at training. And because I didn't think I was good or great at it, I just kind of shunned it to the side. It's like, oh, are just being nice. Um, it wasn't until I said, wait a minute, you know, when I'm, I'm seeking what my purpose is, what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to impact the world... Um, some people are already telling you what it is. You're just not ready to accept it. You're denying it. You're fighting with it. You don't believe it to be true. But everybody's telling you some of the exact same things. And when I just stepped into, okay, this is what I need to do. and And there is some impact here. I do believe that. So Then for me, it was because I didn't believe that I had the skill. I needed to, I'm one of those that let me educate myself. Let me understand what that looks like. What is a speaker supposed to do? how, And so I went into um, training mode to perfect my skill and my ability to be able to impact people and really learning what a speaker is, what they do, and what the outcome of speaking is supposed to be. And once I kind of figured that out and learned that, it was like, okay, so you just need to make sure that you're doing these things to make the impact. And it has literally opened doors for me that, you know, only God could have opened those doors because I'm using the gift and the skill that he's given me. And I've embraced it instead of run from it, um, like I did in the past, because I did run from it and then embracing it. So most of us People have already told us what we're amazing at, what we're great at, and we've heard it over and over and over, and we've heard it for years, but because we don't believe it to be – who we are or we don't believe that the the ability is as powerful as it is we shun it and that's the purpose that you're supposed to be walking in that's the thing that you're supposed to be doing that's going to impact and change the world but you got to accept it and embrace it i i don't i don't think i think there are some people that might not be clear but most of us we're not clear because we're not looking for it and we're not accepting what we're already hearing about it and then embracing it to be able to make the, the impact and the change that we're supposed to give to the world.
0: And I love that you mentioned the fact, you know, that once you embrace it, it's like the floodgates open. I truly, truly yes. You know, although our blessings come from God, they come through people. There's always somebody, you know, on the other side of that door to open it up or on the receiving end of that email, you know, or on the receiving end of that phone. And with the successes that you've had and not just attained, you've been able to sustain your successes, both you know, in your entrepreneurial career and then also in the longevity that you had um, in your corporate career. I can only imagine how important relationships have been. Can you just speak on that for a second, like the importance of building those meaningful relationships and not necessarily the ones that you can always pinpoint, okay, I got to get next to this person because it's going to benefit me. Yeah. But just relationship building.
1: You know, relationship is currency in this day and age. As a small business, relationship is the new currency. So, if you're trying to grow your business and, and uh, increase your your revenue, then you need to have authentic, real relationships. And one of the things I, I took an assessment. Um, I was getting a certification through Gallup for entrepreneur uh, assessment, the top 10 talents of successful entrepreneurs. And of the the top 10 talents to get the certific- the coaching certification, I had to go through the whole process. And my top three was taking risk, building relationships and determination were the top three that was a big part of the the push and growth for my business. The relationship piece of it was because even in corporate America, I learned how to navigate relationships because I realized that for me to get promoted, my boss does not need to be the only person that know I want to be promoted. I need these other, other divisions in the company, the other brands in the company and other executives in the company to know about Beck. And if I just wait on him to be the the mouthpiece for me, I will never get where I needed to go. So I started being strategic at our annual conferences. Uh, I started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't room with anybody in my region. I would let the, the, um, uh, the, them choose a roommate because then I would get someone from another state, another department, somewhere else. And then I wouldn't sit with our, we would always, people would always say, oh, we're going to eat here. I would eat in at other tables because I needed to know, meet some of these other people. And that started to, that paid off for me. That started to work when it was time for me to get promoted um, and to interview, people would say, oh, I've heard of her. Oh, you know what? I sat with her at the conference three years ago. Or, you know, she talked about, so it was then, going to those conferences to connect and build relationships because I knew down the line it's not it's not who I know it's who knows me and not just my boss needs to be the one to know me and so I've been a I I, and I think that is a a, a, an ability a a natural ability um, for me in building relationships and so I've taken that same thing into Uh, as an entrepreneur in building relationships to be able to grow. I started going to two conferences my first year in business. I went to those conferences for seven years straight with the intention to building relationships, building connectivity to where I not only I knew them, but they knew me. And so within three years, they had seen me several times, and then four years, and then, and then it put me on their stage. Then it opened doors to me being able to say, "Hey, here's something. Can I, let me help? Offer this, just a give, not an ask, but a but a give." And in doing that, those relationships open doors that I couldn't have opened on my own because they said, I know someone and then they referred um, someone um, to me. It's it's in those. I got a call from Bishop Vaston McKenzie. This, this was one of those uh, that kind of blew my mind because I, I love her. I've seen her at events and, and she's just done amazing things. But I got a call from her asking about me speaking at her conference. And I always ask, How'd you know about me? How'd you hear, you know, by way of what's working, what's not? And she said, I, I saw you at a conference. It was one of those conferences that I went to every year. Um, and it was, I had spoke at the conference. She said, I sat in your workshop. And I said, really? She said, yep, you did a three-hour training and workshop. And you kept us engaged three hours, which is not easy to do. And she said, I knew then, that's a bad system. I I need to just put her on my list. And four years later, she said, now is the time. I'm doing a conference. I need you to come. Uh, come in. It's those relationships because she had done her homework and talked to other people that attended those conferences and and they knew who I was or they knew the the work that I did and oh those doors begin um, to open. I got a call from Les Brown. Did that blow my mind? Yes. I'm like. How does this happen? Because someone else that I had a relationship with said, you know, you're in Atlanta. Do you know Becky Davis? He was like, no, but I hear some great things about her. Do you know her? How can we get in contact? They called me. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Relationships are are critical to the doors that it can open for you and your business. If you show up authentically, um, use your gift the way you're supposed to use your gift, but make the connections in a, I'm, I'm one of those that I'm going to give before I ask you for anything. I'm going to serve before I ask for anything. Because in the giving and the serving, then usually they come to me with a opportunity. And that is huge for us in business. We just have to know how to build those relationships, where there are authentic um, relationships, the doors, and the people that have connected me uh, to different people that I would I didn't even know about, uh, but they knew about me. And third-party credibility is the bomb.com. The reason I'm the Coca-Cola national spokesperson is a relationship. A relationship said, Becky, you need to, to, uh, I need to introduce you to Becky because she can help you with this program. That was all through relationship. And that was two years. I had been in business two years when that happened. I didn't feel confident enough to go to Coke and position anything. It was in a relationship that said, I know someone who can, who can help you guys do this. And then created that opportunity for me to, uh, to meet and pitch what I could do, um, for them. So Oh, my God. When I tell you it is huge, it is a huge part of how we continue to be relevant and how we continue to grow and stay um, relevant in our business is in those relationships.
0: I just want you to know that the introvert in me is like cringing when you start talking about <laughs> with a stranger and sitting at the lunch table with the people. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to go back. Listen, this episode is for me, my personal use. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> rewind, and just put myself, I, I mean, I know the the importance, the value, but whew, child, get yeah. out of that comfort zone, but I know it's key for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it is, it's weird. And I'm an, I'm an extrovert. So I can sit at a table and look at everybody at the table, like, well, I'll be the first one to talk. How y'all doing? What's your name? And start, uh, you know, kind of going through um, the the introduction piece of it. And it always gives me butterflies inside because you don't know the response of, of other people. I just knew I, did, I, I didn't need to stay with just my group my click. I needed to expand my territory and be a part of every last person's uh, uh, group. And so that other people then know who you are. I, I don't think it's as important for who I know. I think it's major for the people who knows you, the people you don't even know that your name is in their mouth because someone else has put it there, has referred you. That's what you want. Hmm.
0: I would say we're going to drop the mic, but I got one more question. So we're going keep- yes. to keep going. This is a good one. Um, okay, so I know you have a business at work. It's called the Bosspreneur Business Circle. And some of the yes. things you help your your, um, your ladies do is scale their businesses and create recurring revenue. One of the things yes. that we hear time and time again about scaling your business is in order to scale your business, you have to remove yourself. You know, Your business cannot be dictated. Mm-hmm. Of your business cannot be dictated by the hours that you are putting in, basically. What right. is your advice for someone who might be listening or someone who might be me that is afraid of delegating? What's your best advice?
1: So, um, especially as a coming from with a background in leadership, uh, delegation is really saying I trust someone else. That's how they will will see it, is that I trust someone someone else because as long as you hold on to it um for yourself I always use the analogy of if you have your hand closed in a fist and you're holding on to something nothing can get in either so you have to be able to open up one finger at a time to let some things go to get to the next level. On that top 10 list that Gallup um, does uh, an assessment for people, delegation is on that top 10 um, list too. And those that were successful in business, what, what Gallup taught is that these are the 10 characteristics of successful business and success was uh, defined in longevity in business their revenue amount was a part of it and their impact to their communities is how success was defined so after interviewing four thousand small businesses those top 10 was consistent with those type of of companies and the delegation piece i'll say this if um the, the the part that you are not strong at, you have to give it to someone else because they could do it better than um, than you being able to do it. I know for me to to scale my business, I needed to be the face, but I did not need to be the only one doing the work because then I've done exactly what corporate America uh, did was create a salary cap. I love corporate America to not have a salary cap, but if I am the person that has to show up be there do the work to make money i got a salary cap because i can only do so much so it was how do you then take this and create the brand you're the face of the the brand but you're not the only one doing the work in the brand digital is an amazing way um to do that that's how um, one of the things that i teach for recurring um revenue digital is an amazing way to do that and it creates a um, uh, consistent stream of, of revenue coming in that frees you up to be able to add some of the the other pieces and for me, I focused on four revenue models recurring revenue models within my my business I wanted to have uh, coaches that were certified to do the the training and the work that I do, I needed someone else to do it. Because guess what? That's what the model. When you look at a lot of the multimillionaires, the Tony Robbins, the the uh, Brenda Burchard, they have coaches that teach their um, curriculum. And so now I can work with millions of people because I got 350 coaches um, to do it. That's their their model. And for me, it was like, okay, you need to create your model. You already see what success is looking like, so. Follow the the pattern and just put your own stamp of approval on it. But we don't scale our businesses as much as we should. We become the talent and the worker and not the CEO. We spend too much time, 80% of our time as the employee, and maybe 10 to 15% of our time as the CEO. My goal was to spend 80% of my time as the CEO, 20% as the worker. Um, in uh, in my business and brand. And so I had to start to turn the curve to start to build that out to get to that place. Our membership is a part of recurring revenue. I do um, uh, online courses. That's a part of our um, uh, recurring revenue. That's a part of a digital strategy. And I don't have to be at every place to do everything, to go to every company, um, to actually get the work. And I was focusing on coming away from one and done, one client, now I got to go get another client to once to many. I want to do create something once and sell it to many people over and over and over and over and over again and just continue to improve the, uh, improve the product. For me, that's how, we, that's how we stay sustainable, especially as African-American women of color running businesses. We are starting businesses at a higher rate than anybody else but we're closing them faster too because we are the talent and we're not focused on how do I then scale this? What are some things that I can do to scale and create um, you know, my business growing and moving beyond just me to get to the outcome that I want? So yeah, that is the way really to, uh, to be able to stay sustainable long-term and not put a salary cap on yourself because entrepreneurs can have a salary cap too. If you're the only one doing the work, because you can only do so much, so you'll cap out. I don't want to cap out. Listen, now we're going to drop the mic on that one
0: because <laughs> I, I got work to do. Listen, ladies, everyone within the is my voice. The boss has spoken. Um, we definitely have to start applying some of those corporate strategies because obviously, you know, they're tried and true. Entrepreneurs are I hear just throwing, you know, throwing pasta at the wall you know, and seeing what sticks. Um, And I definitely think that having those strategies, like you said, putting that plan behind your goal and really figuring out how you are going to get there, how you are going to scale. And like you said, we can start, um, operating as the CEO for the majority of the time instead of just being the talent. Amen. Yes. Becky, <laughs> I truly enjoyed this conversation. So inspired by all of the wisdom that you have shared. And I know that all of my listeners are as well. Can you please let them know where they can find you online and how they can connect with you on social media?
1: Yes, definitely. All my social media is Bosspreneur. Uh, Panora with boss in the front of it, so anything social media uh, if you pull up Bosspreneur, I should come up. If not, let me know so I can send a cease and <laughs> desist. Um, so so it's under Bosspreneur. And um, my website, um, I have the com. That's our community of women entrepreneurs that we um, spend our time developing and growing their businesses. And BeckyADavis.com. That's all of my uh, speaking and training is what I do under BeckyADavis.com. So those two websites and any social media media is going to be on the Boston door.
0: This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you're willing to do the work. I
1: love you. See you next week.